Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. To ensure you never miss an episode, I want to encourage you to subscribe or follow the podcast using your favorite podcast software. And by that, I mean Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app. The Amazon Music app, whatever you use to download podcasts. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show by mailing a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, that's 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. And you can also become one of our Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month by going to patreon.greatdetectives.com. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. The original air date, April the 20th, 1952, and the title is Illusion. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Every day, Monday through Friday, there's top entertainment all day long when you set your radio dial to NBC. Listen for Double or Nothing, and you'll hear one of radio's funniest quiz shows. Yes, Walter O'Keefe consistently comes up with great comedy entertainment Monday through Friday on Double or Nothing. Listen and you'll agree. And then there's the program with a heart, Strike It Rich. The grand entertainment that Warren Hull brings you every day on Strike It Rich is just what the doctor ordered if you suffer from the housework blues. From Chicago, Tommy Bartlett brings you welcome travelers and interviews with the many interesting guests who each day pass through the Windy City. And for more fun, listen for Bob and Ray, those two zany comics. Then there's Music and Charm with Dave Garraway. So remember, every day, Monday through Friday, chase your blues away with the wonderful daytime programs on this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, here's today's adventure with the tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Illusion. It is 3 a.m. on October 3rd, 1945. In the town of Eagle Rock, Texas, Sheriff Glenn Minton is awakened by an urgent knocking on the door of his house. He slips on a bathrobe and walks downstairs as the knocking continues. Just a minute, I'm coming. All right. Now, who is it? Amy West. I've got to talk to you, Sheriff. Please let me come in. All right, come in. Oh, Sheriff... 
I'm so scared. Now, now, now. Whatever it is, it can't be that bad. You don't know, Sheriff. You don't know. You can't. Here, now, you just sit down and relax. No. Please don't leave me. Sheriff, they tried it again. Tried what? They've tried to kill me. Who? I don't know. Somebody. Somebody wants me dead. Now, look here, Amy. I've known you since you were a kid, and I'm going to talk to you like a father. I know what you're going to say. You think I'm imagining things. Well, it kind of looks that way. This is the third time in the past two months you've thought somebody was trying to kill you. They are. I know it. Amy, the other times we proved to you it was either accident or imagination. You've never believed me. When the brakes went out on my car, when that man came into the house to kill me, you didn't believe it. Amy, you said that prowler was still in the house when I got there, and you know I didn't find nobody. He was there. I know he wasn't. Tonight he came back. He tried to blow me up. What? I woke up and smelled gas. Before I could get out of there, there was an explosion. Where? The bathroom, I think. Part of my bedroom blew up. I don't know how I wasn't killed. Well, why didn't you phone instead of driving all the way in here? The phone wouldn't work. Oh, it was awful. Why do they want me dead? Why? What kind of gas fixtures do you have in the bathroom? Well, there's a little stove and the hot water heater. Where's your husband, Amy? Mark's away buying calves. He'll be back in the morning. Sheriff, somebody came in and turned the gas on. I know it. Amy, think hard now. Could you have left that gas on yourself? No, no, I couldn't. Sheriff, you've got to listen to me. Somebody is trying to kill me. Somebody wants me dead. All right, Amy. All right, now get hold of yourself. We'll go out to your house and have a look. The sheriff made a preliminary investigation at the West Ranch House, then requested assistance from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned and reached the ranch at 10 that morning. Mark West, Amy's husband, had arrived home in the meantime. The two officers left Mr. West downstairs with his wife and went up to investigate the scene of the explosion. Pretty much of a mess, ain't it, Jace? Uh-huh. Mrs. West was lucky, though. I've seen gas heater explosions when there wasn't a thing left of the house. What do you make of it? You figure somebody could have come in here and turned the gas on like Amy says? It could be. Uh, heater valve was open. Yeah, but Amy could have left it open herself. You know how careless people are about things like that. Uh-huh. You say Mrs. West thinks somebody tried to kill her a couple of times before. That's right. But, Jace, to tell the truth, I don't put much stock in what she's been saying. Why not? Well, Amy's always been kind of high-strung, get yourself all upset about little things. You know how women are sometimes. Is she happy with her husband? Oh, Mark's always been real good to her. Seems to be crazy about Amy and her about him. Only one thing wrong I ever knew of. What's that? Well, both of them's always wanted kids, and they never had any. Last five, six years, Amy's been kind of brooding about it. What about these other times she said attempts had been made on her life? Well, the first time it was the brakes on her car. They went out and Amy smacked into a fence. She was lucky, just shook her up some. Mechanic said it could happen to any car. And the second time? She phoned me and said there was a prowler downstairs. When I got here, she swore she could still hear him walking around. I looked everywhere and I didn't find a sign of anybody. Where was her husband? Away. He'd gone up to Dallas early that evening. You reckon he's involved in this? Oh, I don't think so. Jace, like I say, he's pretty fond of her. As far as you know, Sheriff, did Mrs. West ever try to take her own life? Well, just between us, the way Amy's been acting lately, I wouldn't put it past her. Uh-huh. We better go down and have a talk with both of them. 
If Amy does have ideas about suicide, Jace, how come all this talk about somebody trying to kill her? Well, the human mind's a funny thing. Sometimes that's the way it works. You mean she could have done all these things herself, and yet she really believes somebody else has been doing them? Something like that. You know, that crossed my mind when I was Hold talking with Amy. Mm-hmm. The living room door's open. Oh, yeah. What'd you find, Granger? I can't say for sure, Mr. West. Might have been deliberate, and then again, it could have been an accident. It wasn't any accident. Now, honey, you're just upset. It wasn't any accident, I tell you. He came in here just like he did the last time. Turned on the gas and tried to kill me. Honey, why would anybody want to kill you? I don't know, but he wants me dead. Amy, you've got to stop this. I don't know of a person in the world who wants you dead. Everybody loves you. That's the truth, Amy. I've never heard a soul in town speak a harsh word about you. It's no use trying to cover it up, Sheriff. Somebody wants to kill me. And when it's too late, you'll be sorry you didn't believe me. Honey, don't talk like that, please. Mrs. West, we'd like a statement from you about what happened last night. you mind coming in town with the sheriff and me? All right, I'll come. But I want Mark with me. I won't go unless he comes along. Sure, honey. I'll be glad to come. Sheriff, you take Mrs. West out to the car. We'll be along in a minute. Right, Jason. Come on, Amy. I don't know what to do about this, Ranger. I just don't know. Mr. West, I think your wife needs help. Would you have any objection if I took her to a psychiatrist? You know one around here? There's a Dr. Sobel who's done some work for us in the past. Works at a private hospital about 40 miles from here. I can take Mrs. West to see him if you want. Ranger, you don't know what a load it would be off my mind. I've been thinking about something like that for weeks, just haven't been able to get up enough nerve to talk about it. Probably better if the idea comes from me. I'll mention it to her on the way into town. I talked to Mrs. West. At first, she was reluctant to see the psychiatrist. But by the time we reached the sheriff's office, she'd consented. After the sheriff took her statement about the explosion, I drove Mrs. West and her husband to the hospital. While she was talking to Dr. Sobel, Mark West and I waited in the outer office. Two hours later, the doctor opened the door between the offices. Sorry I kept you waiting so long, gentlemen. Mrs. West, you can go into the other room with your husband now. How are you feeling, honey? All right. I've given your wife some capsules, Mr. West. Just a mild sedative. See that she takes one every night before she goes to bed. Sure, Doctor. It won't help. It will if you make up your mind to let it. Nothing's going to help. Somebody wants me dead. Sooner or later, he'll kill me. Well, we'll talk more about it, Mrs. West, sometime soon. Now, if you and your husband don't mind waiting, I'd like to speak to the ranger for a second. What do you think, Doctor? Well, it's only a preliminary examination. I'll want to spend much more time with her. But there doesn't seem to be any clinical psychosis present. You mean there's no definite insanity? I'm almost sure of it. What about this idea she's got that she's going to be killed? She's an extremely unstable woman, Ranger. And she's under some kind of severe emotional strain. What it is, I don't know yet. The sheriff and I'd like to help her any way we can. Is there anything we can do? In a case like this, Ranger, nothing. Nothing at all. I drove Mr. and Mrs. West home and then went back to the sheriff's office. After talking to him, I decided there was nothing further I could do. I returned to headquarters. A week later, I received an urgent message from the sheriff. Mrs. West was in his office and insisted on seeing me. I went there. Sorry to bring you back, Jace, but Ms. West wouldn't talk to anybody but you. Said it was important. It's important, all right, Ranger. Real important. What is it, Mrs. West? Maybe you won't think I'm crazy now. 
Maybe you'll believe me. I never did think you were crazy, ma'am. Yes, you did, but you're going to see. Everything I told you was true. Wait till I get it out of my purse. There. Look. Mm, Aren't they the capsules Dr. Sobel gave you? Yes. And now I know I wasn't dreaming the past few months. My life has been in danger. Now, Amy... Well, what makes you so sure now? This. Now, you see? Inside the capsule. That's the color the powder should be. Green. But look at this capsule. Powder in that one's green, too, Amy. I... Oh, I had another capsule I wanted to show you. Oh, I had it marked. Yes. Mrs. West. That's green, too. I don't know where... Oh, here it is. I knew I had it marked. See the little nick in the end? What did you want to show us, ma'am? Inside this capsule. There. The powder in this one's white. It's poison, Ranger. Well, that's something we can't say till it's been analyzed, ma'am. If you like, You don't I'll take... have to analyze it. That powder's poison. Now, look, Amy. Doc Sobel gave you those pills. You don't think he'd try to poison you? No, not him. But now I know who wants to kill me. I saw him. He didn't know I was watching. But I saw him take the green powder out and put the poison in. Who was this, Mrs. West? My husband. My husband's trying to kill me. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. The cruel nature of cancer is well known. It strikes young and old, rich and poor alike. Men as well as women fall victim to this dread disease. And because anyone can develop cancer, everyone must join in the fight to conquer cancer. Every American shares in the hope that soon cancer will be conquered. But we cannot just hope for complete cancer control. We must take positive action. Do your part. Take positive action. Strike back against cancer by joining the American Cancer Society's 1952 crusade. Your dollars will help support the Society's three essential programs of research, education, and service to the cancer patient. It is estimated that 22 million Americans now living will die of cancer. Fortunately, however, this is not an unchangeable figure. By striking back together, we can reduce it substantially. So give generously to your unit of the American Cancer Society. Simply mail your contribution to Cancer, care of your local post office. And now, back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Illusion. We had the white powder that Mrs. West had taken out of the capsule analyzed. It was poison, a lethal dose of arsenic. We took her to the ranch and began looking around in the hope of finding the source of the poison. Her husband was out on the range, and we started our search in the kitchen. Nothing in this cupboard, Jay. I'll try the one in the corner. Mrs. West, you're absolutely sure you saw your husband put the poison in that capsule? Yes. He was standing right there at the table. Oh, how could Mark do such a thing to me? You and Mr. West always get along well? Yes, till about a year ago, when he said he wanted a divorce. Naturally, I was surprised. What did you tell him? I said I wouldn't think of it. Then a few days later, he asked me to forget it. 
He never mentioned it again. You think of any reason why he wanted a divorce? I can now. Those business trips of his. Times he stayed away two or three days. Buying cattle, he said. He was with another woman. Now, you might be jumping at conclusions, you know, ma'am. No, I'm not. Why else would he have wanted a divorce? Yes, I reckon I've got what we've been looking for. Rat poison. Oh. <sighs> Bought at a Lyons drugstore in town. Just about half an ounce gone. Looks like he was scooped out with a teaspoon. You see? I told you he was trying to kill me. And now I know why. Because he's got another woman. Hey, Mrs. West, did you buy this poison? Me? Well, I've never bought anything like that. Then we'll check and see if your husband did. You... You're going back to town? Yes, ma'am. Don't leave me here. Oh, please. I'm afraid of him. I don't want to stay in this place a minute longer. He'll kill me. Take me with you, Ranger, please. All right, Mrs. West. You can wait in the sheriff's office while we go to the drugstore. Now, where'd I put that poison register? Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Any idea when this poison was bought? No, I'm afraid not. All right, we'll just start turning pages till we come to it. West, west. Well, if that ain't luck, hit it on the third page. Yep, it was rat poison, all right. What day did he buy it? It was on June 25th. And... Did you say he? That's right. Well, then there's some kind of mistake, Ranger. It wasn't him bought that poison, it was her. See? Amy West. Did you go to the drugstore already? Yeah, Amy. We went to the drugstore. Sheriff, is something wrong? Mrs. West, out at your house you told us you hadn't bought any rat poison. Yes. This is the poison register from Lyons Drugstore, Mrs. West. Yes? Is that your signature? Is there any chance somebody else could have signed your name? No. No. It's mine. I remember buying it now. I don't know how I could have forgotten. Please, don't be angry with me. Please. We're not angry, Mrs. West. All we want to do is help you. Oh, I'm such a fool. I hate to ask you questions when you're upset, Amy. But it's important that we find out about this. Did you really see Mark put poison in that capsule last night? Yes, I... I thought I did. I don't know now. Everything seems to be spinning around in my head. I'm not sure of anything anymore. I think that's enough for now, Sheriff. I could see it so clear. Mark standing by the kitchen table, putting that white powder. Maybe I've been imagining things all along. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, Ranger, please help me. <laughs> I think we better take you over to see Dr. Sobel again, ma'am. I don't care what you do. Just help me. Help me. <laughs> I called Dr. Sobel. He said he'd get a room ready for Mrs. West. While the sheriff took her to the hospital, I headed out to the ranch to see her husband. I learned he was still out in the range, so I unloaded charcoal from the trailer and started out. It was nearly five when I found him at a makeshift branding pen three miles from the house. Ooh, ooh, Charky. Ooh, ooh, boy. A 
Mr. West. Oh, howdy, Ranger. Be right with you. Hurry up with the rest of them, Ted. Want to wind it up before sundown. Ah, what can I do for you, Ranger? I'm afraid I have some unpleasant news for you. Is it about Amy? Sheriff just took her over to the hospital. What's happened to her? Nothing serious. She's just a little bit upset. Oh, I thought it was... You were going to say something, Mr. West? I, I get so worried about her, the way she's been acting lately. I can't sleep nights thinking about it. Oh, Dr. Sobel's one of the best in Texas. If anybody can help her, he can. Sometimes I think she's better, and then... Well, it's like a curtain drop in front of her eyes. She looks at me like she's never seen me before. It's pretty awful, Ranger. Yes, it is. I'd like to go see Amy as soon as I can. Well, you'd better call Dr. Sobel first, but I don't think there'll be any objection. She take her medicine along with her? I couldn't say. I better bring it to her. She'll be needing it. Oh, I don't think you'll have to do that, Mr. West. If she needs medicine, they'll give it to her at the hospital. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose you would at that. Well, I'll be along to see her tonight. On the way back to the hospital, I kept thinking about his mentioning the medicine. It bothered me and created a growing suspicion in my mind. By the time I reached the hospital, I was convinced we didn't have all the answers. The sheriff and I decided to listen to any conversation between West and his wife, who set up a hidden microphone in an empty room, and we asked the head nurse to have Mrs. West moved in there. We settled down in an adjoining room with earphones and a tape recorder. At 7.35, we heard the door in Mrs. West's room open and close. Hello, honey. Hello, Ma. You feeling better? I... I don't know. Oh, you'll be all right. Ranger said you had a real good doctor. Mark, I... Yeah, honey? I don't know. Everything is so mixed up. I sure feel honey, sorry. don't cry. Oh, I'm sorry. You'll be all right. When you get out of here, we're going to have the best time we've had in the whole 12 years we've been married. You really mean that? Sure, honey. Maybe we'll go away someplace. Maybe Europe for a few months. Oh, Mark. Now, you just get a good rest so you can get out of here. Oh, almost forgot. Mrs. Dunlap sent you some candy. You know, that chocolate fudge you're so crazy about. Here. Candy? Oh. I don't want it. Honey, you know you love this stuff. Go on. Take a piece. Uh, What's the matter, honey? Don't you want any? You eat some. Huh? You eat some. Sure, honey. It's real good. Sure you won't have some? Oh, Mark. What's the matter? Sometimes I think I'm the biggest fool in the world. Oh, you're just tired, honey. Uh, Doc said I shouldn't stay too long. I'll leave the candy here by your bed just in case you get hungry later on. And I'll be in to see you tomorrow. Good night, Mark. Good night, honey. Sleep well. Well, what do you think, Jason? I don't know. Right at the moment, I'd say it was a toss-up. Let's get in there. Come in. Evening, ma'am. Hello, Amy. It's nice of you to come and visit me. You just missed seeing Mark. Mrs. West, have you eaten any of the candy on the table? Oh, oh, Mark brought it. No, I haven't eaten any. Would you like some, Ranger? Yes, ma'am. If you don't mind, I'll take the whole box. What? I'm sorry, Mrs. West, but we want to be sure it's just candy. We submitted the box of candy for rush analysis. Forty minutes later, the results came through. One of the pieces of candy contained arsenic. We broke the news to Mrs. West. She accepted it in stony silence. 
We decided to let West believe his plan had succeeded. We outlined our idea to the doctor. At midnight, we had him phone West and ask him to come to the hospital as quickly as possible. When he arrived, he was kept waiting alone for nearly an hour. The sheriff and I sat in Dr. Sobel's outer office. Finally, we phoned the receptionist and told her to have West come in. You ought to really be stewing by now, Jace. Yeah, that's what I'm counting on. Jace, I hold swear it, I... Hold it, he's coming. Oh, Doc in his office? He's upstairs. Come on in, Mr. West. He told me to get down here as quick as I could. I've been waiting for an hour. What's it all about? I don't know. We got a call, too. How long have you been here? About an hour. What's happened to Amy? We don't know, Mr. West. I went down to her room. She wasn't there. Yeah, we were down there, too. Where's that doctor? I'm going to make him tell me something. Oh, Dr. Sobel's up in the lab. He said he couldn't be disturbed. Lab? What's he doing up there? The nurse said he was making some tests. On Amy? I don't know. I'm not going to stand for this. That doctor's got no right to keep me waiting like this. Not when my wife might be dead. Dead? What makes you think that? Oh, I'm sure that's it. Amy didn't want to live. She wanted to kill herself. I never got that idea about Amy, Oh, Mark. you didn't know her the way I did. She was always talking about killing herself. Last night, I caught her filling those capsules the doctor gave her with rat poison. Saw her put them in her purse. You did? Yeah. Took them away from her. Reckon maybe I didn't find them all. Reckon Amy had some more. Why didn't you tell us this before? Well, I should have told you all about this, but I didn't. Because I was ashamed. Now you're going to blame me. You're going to think it was my fault Amy committed suicide. Well, go ahead, say it. Mr. West, you're liable to be getting excited for nothing. Nobody said anything about your wife being dead. She is, I know it. She's not in her room and the doc's up making some kind of test, ain't he? She's dead. She committed suicide, she's dead. Take it easy, Mark. I can't understand it. I tried to make Amy happy. Why'd she want to take her own life? We don't think she did, Mr. West. Huh? We think you tried to poison your wife with arsenic and the candy you brought her tonight. Candy? I, I didn't bring her any candy. We know you did. But... That's a lie. Amy died from eating poison candy. She had it with her all the time. I didn't bring it to her. I'm afraid you did, Mr. West. We've got a witness to prove it. Witness? Bring Mrs. West in, Sheriff. All right, Amy. You can come in now. What's the matter, Mark? Aren't you glad to see me? Amy, I... Maybe you can understand how I've felt all these weeks, hoping I was seeing things and knowing I wasn't. Now you know. Oh, it's all a mistake on you. Big mistake. No, it isn't. You wanted me dead. So you could be with your other woman. Who is she, Mark? Is she pretty? You tell her how soft and silky her hair is. Like you used to tell me. Amy, please. Do you and she have little jokes together like we used to have? Little pet names for each other? Mrs. West, that candy you had in your room tonight. Where did you get it? My husband brought it to me. Amy, that ain't true. You know you had that candy in your bag all the time. I saw you with it last night. Did you, Mark? When? You had it. Try and remember. Amy, honey, you've got to remember. Ranger, she forgets things. Her mind wanders. I never brought the candy to her. I swear I didn't. It's no good, Mr. West. We know you brought the candy. Well, you're not going to take her word. She's crazy. She'd say anything. We don't have to take her word. What are you talking about? You know what this is? Huh? I'll tell you, Mr. West. It's a tape recorder. Tape recorder. Your wife's room was wired. You like to hear what you said to her tonight? <laughs> oh. Oh. You ready to tell us all about it now? All right. I tried to kill her. She wouldn't give me a divorce. How do you think it feels? I mean, somebody else can't be with her. I'll be seeing her a few hours now and then. 
Tell you think it feels. That's right, Mark. Cry. I didn't think you knew how. Go ahead and cry. Take her away, Ranger. I hate her. I don't want to see her. You won't, Mr. West. Her or any other woman. Not for a long time. Come on. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Later today, you'll find more great entertainment all lined up for you on this NBC station. Next, it's The Big Show, with a star-studded guest list and your unpredictable hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. Meredith Wilson will be on hand to direct The Big Show, Orchestra, and Chorus. And be sure to hear the hilarious Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show, featuring the comedy antics of Frankie Remley, Julius Abruzio, and Brother William. There's mirth and music with Phil and Alice and their delightful program. And remember, too, that Theater Guild on the Air will bring you another entertaining dramatization of an exciting play co-starring two of your favorite Broadway stars. Yes, Sunday is fun day on NBC because of the many fine shows sent your way to add to your listening pleasure. Later tonight, you'll want to hear Jack Parr and the $64 question as Jack asks the questions and gives away the money. So remember, for fine entertainment all the rest of the day, stay tuned to this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, back to the Texas Rangers. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Suffering from nervous strain, Amy West went to a private rest home. After six months, she was fully recovered. Mark West, having confessed to the attempted murder of his wife, was sentenced to ten years in Huntsville Penitentiary. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae will soon be seen in San Francisco's story, a Warner Brothers release. The cast included Tony Barrett, Parley Bear, Jeanette Nolan, John Stevenson, and Byron Kane. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, enjoy 90 minutes of comedy, drama, and music on The Big Show. On NBC. Welcome back. Well, an absolutely fascinating episode. And it shows the sort of stories that you can get from real life and the complexity that comes with them. In this case, the question is, is her life actually in danger or is she having a breakdown and not seeing things clearly? And the answer is yes. Well, in most fictional stories, one or the other would be true, but here it's both. Yes, her life is in danger, but because of the stress of that whole situation that she's been under, she's not remembering things clearly like her purchase of the rat poison. 
Now, I found myself wondering whether the husband had been scheming from the first attempt as an elaborate gaslighting routine. And then I reminded myself that this is a real-life case, and the answer's probably not. You don't make multiple near-perfect murder attempts to set up another near-perfect murder attempt. The husband certainly intended to do away with her when he sabotaged her car. I do wonder how many of the other reports were something that the husband was actually trying to do and how many were out of stress. Like, it's very well possible that because of her previous stress with the car being sabotaged and just kind of acoustic things and just her state of mind that she might have imagined the whole Prowler situation. And it's also possible that she uh, left the gas on by mistake. Now, this is a mystery in the plot, but it's a mystery that it's reasonable not to have resolved because the only person who would know for sure would be the husband who would have no incentive to reveal that information. And I have to think that if the jury viewed this as definitively a string of attempted murder attempts, that it probably would have gone worse for him than 10 years in prison. As it was, if you're a prosecuting attorney, you most likely don't even bring them up because they're essentially speculative and you don't have a firm way to prove them. And bringing them up only would allow the defense counsel to try and muddy the waters. And probably the main witness in support of that uh, would be the wife. And given her state and the fact that she needed to go to a sanitarium, the prosecutor probably just decided to prosecute the case that he could win on. With that, we turn to listener comments and feedback and have a comment from Darlene who wrote, Hi Adam, long-term fan and ongoing enthusiastic listener here. I was amused by the reaction to this episode, and this refers to Prelude to the Felony, set in the early 1950s, in which kids rode horses to school or wherever. Some listeners seem to find this odd or archaic. Not so even in the 1950s. I was born and raised in Calaveras County, home of Mark Twain's celebrated jumping frog. Many areas of the county are quite remote with few or no roads and difficult to access in the best weather. In winter, many areas are snowed in. I lived quite a ways out of town and at the turn of for my house was the Sheriff's Posse Barn. It was built in 1870 and used to house the Posse's horses, used for search and rescue, and continued operating that way until the early 2000s. It is now a museum. While I suspect the Sheriff's Department now uses ATVs, it's worth knowing that the horses were necessary for law enforcement for some 50 years after the broadcast of this episode. Love to uh, your family and keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much, Darlene. And it's been interesting to get feedback on this episode. Oh, thank you so much, Darlene. And I appreciate the responses I've received because they've been uh, educational. 
Because I spent a great portion of my childhood in either small towns or some remote areas, particularly in Montana. And obviously I'd seen, you know, an occasional horse out on the road for a ride, but not masses of people using them for daily transport. But it's been it. Interesting to find out in how many parts of the country that they uh, have continued to uh, be used that way, and, and there can be some really good reasons for that. It's fascinating to learn about how these have continued in so many other parts of the country, so thank you so much once again for uh, emailing in on that. Then we have an email from Felicity regarding I Hate Crime. And uh, she writes, Hello, Adam. Firstly, many thanks for the podcast. I've been listening for several years, and listening brings great enjoyment to my day. Thank you for putting these programs together and for all of your insightful commentary. While it's a bit behind the times, I'm writing regarding I Hate Crime, which I've been catching up on. I live in New South Wales and close enough to the area where the series is set that the locations are local names for me. It's been very charming hearing a series which is set so close to home, even if it's a little rough around the edges at times. I know you raised a few questions in your commentary related to local geography that, as far as I can tell, weren't answered by people writing in at the time the series aired. So hopefully it's better late than never. In episode 4 or episode 3862 of The Great Detectives, Larry flies to Surfer's Paradise to pursue the informant. Surfer's Paradise is a very popular beach and holiday location that's about an hour south of Brisbane, or just over the New South Wales-Queensland border, and you'd question why the characters would choose to fly. During the time of the golden age of radio, Australia did not have many motorways connecting major cities, unlike the United States, where I get the impression that the cross-country travel was fairly streamlined based on some of the episodes you played in other media of the era. Travel would take a lot longer as you'd be taking roads winding over mountain passes and through small localities instead of bypassing them with large motorways. The trip is now under 850 kilometers, roughly 530 miles, and apparently nine hours, according to Google Maps, of driving without stops. But that's with a lot of highway upgrades, many of which have only uh, taken place in the last 15 to 20 years. When I was growing up in the 1990s, the same trip would probably be closer to 11 to 12 hours without stops and 950 kilometers, 590 miles, and in the early 1950s, this would have taken even longer and most likely require an overnight stop as there was far less highway and the route would have been less direct. Did Larry necessarily need to fly up to surfers to pursue the informant? Maybe not, but if he wanted to get there and back again with any degree of speed, flying was probably the way to go in spite of the high cost. In episode 25 of uh, I Hate Crime, or episode 3892 of The Great Detectives, Larry mentions not wanting to travel to date a girl in Terrigal. And you'd remark that 90 kilometers didn't seem that far. Again, 
That's the modern distance to make the trip, and the estimated time traveled on Google Maps is based on the modern route. Back in the 1950s, you'd be winding through mountain roads to get from uh, Sydney to the Central Coast, and based on what I've been told by older family members about traveling in this area in the past, the trip would be closer to two hours each way, so the girl would have to be pretty special. Hopefully this has been insightful for you, uh, hearing someone with a bit of local knowledge. Keep up the great work with the podcast. My regard to you and all your family. Well, thank you so much, Felicity. And I really appreciate the email. And yeah, it's been a while since we finished I Hate Crime. But I find the information really interesting. Uh, I've always found Australia fascinating. It's one of those places I would love to uh, visit someday. So much uh, interesting history and, and the land and the animal life. So I always love learning more about it. So thank you so much for the email. Really appreciate it. I came across a comment on Reddit. Uh, and uh, this was in regard to a thread where uh, it was cross-posted that uh, Jack Webb, most known as Sergeant Joe Friday in the TV and radio police procedural uh, dragnet, had his uh, badge number uh, 714 retired, and when Jack Webb died, he was buried with full uh, police honors. And someone posted over on... Uh, read it in response to that. Okay, that's interesting. I listened to Adam Graham's Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. His Patreon has a level of Detective Sergeant $7.14 per month. For about two years until this moment, I assumed uh, it was a Babe Ruth reference. He hit 714 home runs. Now I'm not so sure. Well, to clear up any misunderstanding, it is indeed a reference to uh, Sergeant Friday's badge number. However, another fun fact is that the reason that Jack Webb chose the badge number of 714 for Joe Friday is because Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs. So it's all connected. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And today I want to go ahead and thank Ron. Ron has been one of our Patreon supporters since May of 2020, and he's currently supporting the program at the aforementioned Detective Sergeant tier of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Ron. And that will actually do it for today. A reminder, if you want to be sure to never miss an episode of the podcast, I encourage you to follow us with your favorite podcast software. Also, if you are enjoying the series on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers, but join us back here tomorrow for our 4,000th episode special where you just happen to be passing by and i noticed the lights on Uh, by the way have you sublet this apartment mcpherson you're here often enough to pay your rent any objection yes especially to your prying into laura's letters that bundle in your pocket for instance now these they're yours the best of the bunch 
That's the trouble with getting murdered, Lidecker. It ruins your privacy. And have detectives who buy portraits of murdered victims a claim to privacy? Lancaster Corey tells me you already put in a bid for Laura's portrait. That's none of your business. McPherson, did it ever strike you that you're acting very strangely? It's a wonder that you don't come here with roses and a box of drugstore candy. Have you been dreaming of Laura as your wife? By your side at the policeman's ball or in the bleachers? Or listening to the heroic saga of how you acquired a silver shin bone in a gun battle with a gangster? Yeah, I see you have. Why don't you go home? I'm busy. Well, perhaps we can come to terms now, huh? You want a portrait? Perfectly understandable. I want my positions, my vase, my clock, my fire screen. Now, if you Get going. Come, you better watch out, Lieutenant. You'll end up in the psychiatric ward. I don't think they've ever had a patient who fell in love with a beautiful girl who died before he met her. Or did you meet her? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box 13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.